we got these new TVs up on the here, as you can see, a couple of weeks ago. So praise the Lord for that. So I am going to, I am a millennial, so I'm going to utilize them this morning, the best of my ability. All right, First Samuel chapter 22. We see here David, and he's at his lowest point in his life. Here he is in this cave. He's lonely. He's depressed. I'm sure he's angry. He's frustrated. Now, before we get here, you have to look at David's life and realize how easy he really had it growing up. I mentioned earlier that he was anointed the king of Israel as a 10, 13-year-old boy. Here he is anointed as the king of Israel. As he grows up, God uses him. We all know the stories. If we've gone to Sunday school or been in church for any amount of time, we know how God uses him to be a great shepherd. And he kills a lion and he kills a bear and he's, he honors his father and God really uses him and gives him great victories. I mean, imagine killing a lion and a bear and being a shepherd as a, as a teenage boy. Man, great victories at a young age. Just easy, coming to, easy things coming to David. As he gets older, the most famous story probably in the whole Bible in 1 Samuel chapter 17, where God uses David as a 17, 18-year-old boy to stand before the mighty Philistine giant of Goliath and bring him victory as he slays him with a slingshot. As he gets older, David starts to work in the kingdom, and he starts to become one of Saul's choice servants, and we know how he played the harp for Saul, and Saul started to get jealous and angry and bitter at David as he saw God continue to bless David, and tried to throw him in battle, and tried to almost murder him and put him in the front line so that he would die, but God blessed David and used him to be a successful warrior under King Saul, and gave him many Many great victories. So we look back at David's life and man, victory after victory and God's blessing and God's using him and things are just coming easy and dare I say natural to him as he grows up and matures in his walk with the Lord. But now here in 1 Samuel chapter 22, we find him at one of his lowest points in his entire life. Saul growing very angry at David and very bitter and the hand of God was clearly off of Saul and starts to become very angry at David and uh, marks him down as a fugitive and chases him and wants to kill him and sends his armies after him and sends his soldiers after him. And he himself goes out to seek David and find him who did nothing wrong except follow the rules and obeyed the law and serve Saul faithfully and serve the Lord, did nothing wrong. And now here's the king of Israel, the most powerful man at the time, Saul, chasing and labeling David as a fugitive and running after him and going after him. And now David, after all those great victories and all those mountaintops, here's David now in this cave. Imagine being David. I could just imagine sitting there in this cave and thinking to myself, man, where did it go wrong? What did I, what, what did I do? Did I, did I do something wrong? God blessed me. God anointed me. God used me. And now I'm a wanted fugitive being chased by the wrath of Saul. I feel abandoned, I feel forsaken, discouraged, lonely in this dark, cold, nasty cave at the lowest point in his life. Hey, I ask you this morning, have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Are you there this morning? Hey, the Christian life is not always about living on the mountaintop. Sometimes God brings us through the valleys. Sometimes God brings us through our own cave experience. But we must realize it's the valleys, it's the storms, it's those cave experiences where our faith is really tested, where we grow in grace and our relationship with Christ. Sometimes before God can use us the way that he wants to in your life and to give you victory, he often brings you through those cave experiences so he can teach you certain things. Hey, what is it this morning that you face 
or you are facing the cave of a guilty past, the cave of a dominant sin in your life that you just can't seem to shake, that you just keep uh, get coming into, and man, you try to have the victory, but it just keeps coming back, and you say, God, what, what is going on here, this dominant sin I, I can't shake in my life? Or are you here this morning, and maybe it's the cave of trials, confusion, sickness in your family, loneliness, depression, whatever it is. If you're not there, you've either been there or, can I say, someday you will be there. And the decisions that we make and how we act when we face those experiences in our life, like David faced here, those can determine so much in our life and so much in our Christian faith. And they won't only affect us, the decisions we make in those points in our life, but they affect our children and they affect our spouses and they affect our families and our friends. And what I would like to do this morning is look at the life of David. And take note to what he did while he sat there confused, discouraged, and alone in that cave. And allow his example to be applied in our own life. Because David, as we'll look here in a minute, did some things that allowed him to learn what God was doing while he sat there at one of the lowest points in his life. And eventually take him from that cave to the kingdom. To being a man after God's own heart. To being one of the greatest kings Israel has ever seen. If you have your Bible, turn to Psalm 142. Psalm 142, while David is sitting in this cave, he pens this psalm that we're about to look at, Psalm 142. Two or three different psalms that he wrote while he sat in this cave at that low point in his life, and we're going to look first at Psalm 142. I want you to imagine now before we read this, here's David, he's sitting in this cave and, man, depressed, frustrated, angry, scared. God, I thought I was being anointed. Now I'm being chased. What's going on? And here he pens this Psalm 142. I'll read verses 1 through 2. You can follow along as I read. The Bible says, and this is David talking, I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplication. Notice verse 2. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed him before my trouble. What do we do when life brings us those cave experiences? Number one. Seek the Lord. We seek the Lord. You see, David, as we see in those verses, he sought after God and he communicated with him. Communicated with him. Notice in verse 2 it says, I poured out my complaint before him. See, notice David told God how he felt. Hey, what are you going through this morning? What trials are you facing? What, is it a financial situation? Is it a sickness? Is it loneliness? Is it confusion? Is there something in your life? God, I'm not sure what you're doing. God, maybe I'm like David. I'm at this low point in my life. I don't know what's going on. Can I tell you, as much as it's good to hash it out with your spouse or to talk to a friend about it or to talk to somebody about it or to maybe sit down and get down in the dumps and throw a pity party for yourself, whatever the case is, maybe those things are good or wrong, whatever, indifferent. But the point is, I challenge you this morning, have you ever gone and talked to the Lord? Amen. Have you ever gone and been honest with God? What I love about David in this psalm is he's completely honest with the Lord. He complains to God. He says, I, I gave you my complaint, Lord. What are you doing? What is going on? Why am I facing this? He sought after the Lord and communicated with him. Can I challenge you this morning, if you're going through something, if you're facing something in your life that you don't know how you're going to get through it, you don't know how God's going to bring you the victory, can I challenge you this morning, talk to the Lord. Talk to the Lord. That's why he's here. He's here to help you. He's here to love you. He's here to guide you. He's here to bring you through that cave experience. Pour out your complaint to him. Be honest with God. Man, as I've been studying this and 
I've been reading on this, and I see how David faced these trials and these hardships. And, man, he was just so honest with God. His relationship with God was so strong and so pure that he could just be honest with God. God, what are you doing? This is crazy. Why are you doing this to me? This morning, whatever you're facing, pour out your complaint to God. Seek the Lord. Communicate with God. Allow him to show you. Hey, what does the Bible says? Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden upon the Lord. Hey, give it to the Lord. I love what Matthew, he's downstairs, but he talked to our, I asked him to give his testimony to our high school guys in Sunday school this morning. And one of the things he said that stuck out to me that I loved is he talked about the different things he faced growing up and how God has brought him where he was as a bus kid and going through some hard times. So now where God, where him and Jose are in Bible college, his dad, I think is in, Victor, I saw him before, is in church. There he's back there this morning, saved and in church, and how God brought him that way. And he said to the teenage guys, he said, you know, oftentimes when I was young and I'd have hardships come my way, I would blame God. God, why are you doing this? God, I don't, I'm just going to quit. I'm going to go away. I'm going to blame God for everything in my life. And he said, you know what I learned? And he looked at the men and he said, I learned instead of blaming God, I need to go to God. Amen. And man, I thought that was so powerful. When you're going through that experience in your life, that cave experience, be like David, be like a Matthews downstairs. Go to God. Complain to God. Talk to God. Be honest with God. Seek his face. That's what David did. And God, as we see here, started to bring him through it. Notice verse 3. Psalm 142, verse 3. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then, notice this phrase, thou knewest my path. Number one, David sought the Lord, but number two, can I tell you this morning, if you're going through that cave experience, if you're going through that trial in your life, if you don't know what God is doing, can I tell you this, number two, stay steadfast in the sovereignty of God. Stay steadfast in the sovereignty of God. Can I tell you what that means? Just very simply put, there's a lot of definitions we can get into this morning, but very simply put, the sovereignty of God, it means this, God is in control. God is in control. David says, you knew my path. He knew what was going on. David was down in the cave, the lowest point of his life, but he knew that God knew where he was and what he was facing. And he trusted that God was in control and at work. If you're a child of God this morning, if you're a saved believer, then find a hope that no matter what you're going through, God is in control. His sovereign hand means there is nothing, there isn't anything that will enter your life that God doesn't either decree or allow. And there's nothing that will ever enter your life that if you're willing to trust God, he cannot work out for good. You're going through a trial this morning, discouraged, no hope, alone, dark. Can I tell you this morning, God's in control. Trust him. I've learned as I, as I grow older and, man, things start to get a little more difficult as you grow older, and I'm learning that, that God's, oh, so many times I get confused and I get frustrated. God, what are you doing? But I learn and I'm learning that, man, God so many times he's behind the scene and he's moving pieces and he's making things happen and his sovereign hand is in complete control of what's going on. And rather than trying to take things on my own and make control everything, and the one thing I am is I'm a control freak. I like to be in control of everything and know what's going on and know what I'm going to do tomorrow, know where I'm going to be five years from now, know where I'm going to be ten years from now. Everything's got to be planned out in my life. That's how I am. But I'm learning to have, we have to learn in the Christian life, hey, we have to just trust the Lord. Trust his sovereign hand is at work in your life, I can tell you this morning. He's in control. He knows what you're going through, and he knows he's going to take you from your cave to your kingdom. But you have to trust him. You have to trust his sovereign hand at work. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Romans 8, 28, what does it say? It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, 
to them who are called according to his purpose. Every single one of you could stand up here this morning and probably give a testimony or tell us a story of how maybe how you first got saved and how so many events and so many things had to happen in order for you to get saved. Or so many things had to happen and so many things could have went wrong, but they didn't for you to be in church this morning, for you to be with your spouse or for you to get to know the Lord. Whatever it is, I could probably pass the microphone around and every single one of you could tell us a story about how God's sovereign hand worked in your life. I was talking to uh, Catherine about this the other day and just talking to man about so many things. And it's not a coincidence. It's God at work. And as I look back and I notice so many things that had to happen for me and her just to even meet and to be here this morning. I think about my dad and I told her a little bit of his testimony and how, you know, he grew up in a, in a divorced home and was in alcohol and drugs and just lived a crazy lifestyle. And he would be the guy this morning that you look at if, if back then and say, there's no way he'll ever know the Lord. There's no way he'll ever be in church. And that's the lifestyle that he lived. And at a young age, he fell off a building and cracked his skull and was in the hospital and they thought he was going to lose his life. He was in a coma. His family was Catholic. They brought the, um, the priest there. They read him his last, the last rites or whatever it is that they do and brought his family in. And my dad got out of that coma and a couple years later, miraculously healed, and a couple years later met my mom who led him to the Lord and got him in church and grew up in New Jersey their entire life. And then for some reason, my dad gets a job in Connecticut and just keeps driving down 84 and gets off exit 7 and finds a home in Brookfield, and that's where I'm born and raised. Meanwhile, on the other side of the country, there's a girl from Alabama and a guy from New York who meet at a college in Chicago and come back and start a church at New York. And at 13 years old, my parents say, hey, we're going to that white church over on the hill this morning. Come on, we're going to church. And I, all right, whatever. I didn't know what was going to happen. And I came here and I get reassurance of my salvation. I learn how to walk with the Lord. And I meet all you families. And I meet my wife. And I get married here. And can I tell you, that's not a coincidence. That's not an accident. That's the sovereign hand of God at work in my life. And every single one of you can stand up and tell a very uh, similar story. Man, all the things that had to happen for me to be here this morning, for me to know, to know the Lord and to be saved and be in church, can I tell you, that was the sovereign hand of God in your life. And he hasn't stopped working. He still is. Just because you're going through that experience, just because you're going through that cave, just because you're going through that trial, just because you're confused and you're ready to quit on God. Hey, when you're in the cave, that's really when your faith is tested. That's really when you decide, hey, so many Christians, I'm going to flake out, I'm going to give up on God, I'm going to blame God. But no, as Matthew said to the teenagers, that's when you need to go to God. That's when you need to trust the Lord. David sought the Lord and communicated with him. David stayed steadfast in the sovereignty of God. Notice number three, if you turn your Bible to Psalm 57, we're going to look at another psalm that David penned while he was in that cave. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but I know everybody's going through something. Can I tell you, don't quit. God's at work. Can I tell you, God's got you. Can I tell you, find hope in the Lord. Can I tell you, seek him, communicate with him, trust in his sovereign hand. But notice in Psalm 57, we'll read verse 5 first if you're there. You can follow along as I read. The Bible says, be thou, and this is David, again, he's writing a picture. He's writing here in this cave, and he says, be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let thy glory be above all the earth. Skip down to verse 9. He writes, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. Here's David, even at the lowest point in his life where he can't see what's going on and he can't see the, what, what God's doing. And even at his lowest point, here he is writing this psalm and he's praising the Lord. 
I said, number one, seek the Lord. Number two, stay steadfast in his sovereign hand. But number three, when you're going through that experience, more than ever, sing praise unto the Lord. Sing praise unto the Lord. Hey, I don't know the challenges you're facing. I don't know the experience you're going through. But I can tell you this. Don't stop praising God just because of your circumstances. Don't let your circumstances dictate your relationship with God. Don't let your circumstances dictate your praise and your worship to the Lord. I heard a preacher say this in Bible college. It stuck with me ever since. He said, learn to praise God for who he is, not just based off what your circumstances are. He said, when we choose to praise God based on who he is, Instead of what our circumstances are, good things happen. This can be tough. We're so used to praising God when things are going good. We're on the mountaintop, man. God's good. He's blessed me with this and that. And, man, everything's going good. But when we get to those low points in our life, we get discouraged. We get depressed. We just want to quit. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to get in our Bible. Say, God, what are you doing? Can I tell you, that is the most important time than any time that you should praise the Lord. That you should stop. There's something about real praise to God that transforms your life, that brings you through that experience for the better. Maybe that's why God is bringing you through that point in your life so that you can worship and draw closer to God. Man, real genuine praise can transform a person. And when you apply that to your life, when you're going through an experience, man, just thank you, God, for how good you are to me. I know this is going on, God, and I'm confused, and I'm a little lonely, and I'm depressed, and I'm hurt, and I really don't know what's going on, but God, for a minute, can I just tell you how good you are to me? God, you've given me health. You've given me a great family. Amen. You've given me a beautiful wife. You've given me a great job. You've given me a house. You've blessed me beyond my wildest dreams, things that I never would imagine as a teenager and where you've brought me, where you've taken me and where you've brought me. God, you've been so good to me. Right. Take that time just to praise the Lord. God, you're, you're so good. Not just thanking him for your blessings, but telling him who he is. God, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for the salvation that I have, that if something happened to me, I could go to heaven one day because I have you as my Savior. Thank you, Lord, that when I'm going through these trials and tribulations, I can go to you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your blessing. Hey, sing praises unto the Lord. You're going through that experience this morning. Learn from David. Learn from David. Hey, there's no better illustration than this than Pastor Bish, Heritage Baptist Church in Wallingford, about an hour from here, who... I think a year or two, two years ago now, his wife was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. And man, talk about a cave experience and giving months to live. And can I tell you, I watched from afar and I got to go to some conferences and services. I never saw Pastor Bish quit on God and leave. Man, in fact, it was the total opposite. He would stand up from the pulpit and say, God is good. Mrs. Bish stood up here, camp meeting two years ago, knowing that she only had months to live, didn't cry, didn't complain, she said, Hey, God is good. And yes, Mrs. Bish has now gone on to be in heaven, but can I tell you, if you were, especially if you were in camp meeting a couple weeks ago, you know the hand of God is so clearly on Pastor Bish in a way I've never seen and is blessing him and blessing his ministry. Why is that? Because when Pastor Bish was maybe at the lowest point in his life, when he was going through that cave, that trial, he said, God, I'm going to cling to you. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to tell people how good you are. And man, God has brought him through and is using him in his ministry and his church in a way that, man, you can't imagine. If you didn't hear his sermon on camp meeting, go on our church podcast and listen to it. Man, God's hand is on that man. Because when he was going through that cave experience, he praised the Lord. He told God and everyone how good he is. God's in control. Learn from David when you're going through that experience. I said, number one, seek the Lord. Number two, stay steadfast in the sovereignty of God. Number three, sing praise unto the Lord.
But if you look in Psalm 57, same chapter, you can move up to verse 1. Again, here's David, and I want you to really picture and understand that he's penning these words while he's in that cave in 1 Samuel 22. Notice this, he says, verse 1, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. Number four, settle on the promises of God. When you're going through that experience, when you're going through that trial, when you're going through that tribulation, when you're going through that hard time in life, settle on the promises of God. David says he took refuge in the Lord. Hey, this morning, find hope in God's promises. Hey, that book that's on your lap, the Word of God, the Holy Bible, did you know that there are over 3,000 promises in this Bible? 3,000 promises that God promises to us. Hey, when you're going through that trial, when you're going through that tribulation, why don't you open those up? Instead of fleeing from God, instead of giving up on God, instead of closing your Bible, why don't you open it up and take God at his word? God, I know I'm going through this right now, but I'm claiming this promise that you told me, and I'm, I'm settling on your promises. Can I give you a few this morning? Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine. 29. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give ye rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. Isaiah 40, 29 through 31. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Philippians 4.19, and this same God who take care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.37-39, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Psalm 133, But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely, and shall be quiet from fear of evil. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Hey, you're going through something this morning. I just gave you seven of 3,000 promises that you can take and say, God, I'm claiming you at your word. I'm claiming you at your promises. I'm trusting in you that you're going to see me through this. Lord, you said in John 14, 27, peace you give unto me. Peace you give, not as the world giveth, but I can find peace and I can find refuge in you through this trial. So many times as Christians and so many times I look around in our teenagers and I, and I tell them and I plead with them, when you go through that cave experience, when you go through that trial, don't take refuge in the things of the world. It's so empty. It's so lost. It's so cold. I see people I work with, I see teenagers and they go through hard time and what's the first thing they do? They pop their headphones in their ear and take refuge in some artists who care less about them, listen to some music that relates to their situation. Take refuge in drugs and take refuge in all the different things that the world throws our way, money and careers and everything. Hey, I'm going through this one. I'm going to put it aside and just pursue my career and act like that's not there. Hey, can I tell you this morning, whatever you're going through, instead of running from God and running to the world, why don't you run to the promises that God has for you? Over 3,000 promises. Take God at his word. God, you said you'll see me through. God, you said you said you'll give me peace. God, you said nothing can separate me, separate me from your love. 
Can I tell you, Lord, if I'm being honest with you right now with what I'm going through, I really don't feel that close to you. I feel separated. I don't feel like your love and your hand of blessing is on my life, but God, I'm claiming you at your promise. You said nothing can separate me from your love. I'm claiming, I'm clinging to you, I'm walking with you, I'm staying, and I'm settling on your promises. Hey, when you're in that cave experience, do what David did. He sought the Lord and communicated with him. He uh, stayed steadfast in the sovereignty of God. He sang praise unto the Lord. He settled on the promises of God. And then notice number five, you want to turn back to where we started, 1 Samuel chapter 22. 1 Samuel chapter 22. I'll read verses 1 and 2 again as we started, and you can follow along as I read it. I just want you to see this morning the fifth thing that David did. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam, and when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And every one that was in distress, notice this now. Here's David. He's at the lowest point in his life. He's depressed. He's discouraged. You hear, we just, we just saw what he wrote in Psalms. God, I'm complaining to you. God, I'm going to trust you to all this stuff overpasses me. But God, I got a big burden on me. And among all this is going on, look at verse 2. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. I don't know about you, but if I'm going through a trial in my life, I don't want 400 people who are in debt and distressed coming to me looking for help. (laughs) And that's where David is this morning. Number five, you're going through that experience. Serve the Lord continually. Serve the Lord continually. Everyone that was in distress, debt, and and was discontent gathered to David. And here he is now captain of these 400 people. Hey, sometimes when you're facing your cave, God will bring people into your life and your path so that you can help them and be an encouragement to them. And instead of getting so sidetracked, God, what are you doing? God, what's going on? Why don't you open your eyes and see people that God's bringing into your life who might be going through the same thing you're going through, and they're not saved. And maybe God's bringing you through that experience so that you can help that person and lead them to the Lord. Instead of being discouraged and closing your eyes and, and, God, what's going on? Open your eyes and see what God has in front of you. See the people that God's bringing into your life. Maybe you're here this morning, you can't get through that cave of guilt you have from your past. Maybe God brought you through your past to help somebody else. Yesterday was a crazy day, just so much going on. We had our bus meeting, our soul winning meeting here at 1030 on, on Saturday morning. And me and Catherine did that and all the soul winning people who were faithful came out and it was awesome, great, great meeting. And then afterwards, we were getting ready for the softball game. I had the teenage guys come over. Um, I had some things going on in my house. My man Eric back there goes to Abitech for plumbing, helped me take my uh, dishwasher out, so that was awesome. And uh, just a crazy day. We had all kinds of stuff going on. My dad came over, though, before we went to uh, the softball game, and uh, he was doing some things in, in our yard for us. And I saw one of our teenage guys back there, Steven, was talking to him. And I don't really know what was going on, was being said. I could tell it was a serious conversation, but I couldn't help but think that everything that my dad went through in his life, maybe God brought him through that so that he can sit there and kneel that Saturday morning for 10 or 15 minutes and help Stephen. So Stephen doesn't have to face that. Hey, I don't know what you're going through this morning. I don't know what you have gone through. But sometimes when you're in those cave experiences, when you're in that lowest point in your life, maybe God's bringing you to help somebody else. Learn from David. David was there, and what did he do? 
Number one, he sought the Lord. He communicated with him. Number two, he stayed steadfast in the sovereignty of God. Number three, he sang praises unto the Lord. Number four, he settled on the promises of God. Number five, he served the Lord continually. We read later on, and most of us know that after the cave, David went on to be the king of Israel, the greatest king they possibly have ever, ever saw. God called him a man after his own heart. But notice David had to go through that cave experience to get to the kingdom. Some of you this morning might be in that cave of life right now, but can I tell you this morning, you have a kingdom coming. You have a kingdom coming. David was the anointed king of Israel as a young boy. If you're saved this morning, you're already anointed. You're God's child. God promises you the victory already. Take heed in that. Take hope in that. But you have to get through that cave and the lessons that God teaches us while we are there so that you can get to your kingdom so that God can see you through. This morning, keep going. Keep seeking the Lord. God's at work. His sovereign hand is in control. Trust in him. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning.